As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Talk podcast. I'm Tony Andrecki here with Mick Gillespie, uh, the AA Smokies broadcaster and also one of the voices of Cubs spring training alongside Len Casper. Uh, so, Mick, we'll start you know, here summing up Cubs convention. Um, what were your main takeaways from the 2017 convention, the first one that we've ever seen with the World Series trophy here? Yeah, I, I was uh, joking in one of my panels that I hosted that this is the first time that the Cubs would pick last in the draft. But, yeah. but then they're going to actually have some picks before that, I guess, right, because of the – Fowler leaving. Yeah, um, right. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen the exact order, but I know that when you win the World Series, then, you know, you get the last pick in the draft. So that's a good thing, right? Um, a lot of excitement. I've been a Cubs fan. I followed the team for 10 years as a broadcaster. I've been a fan since the 80s. So I remember – you know, my team was Rhino and Jody Davis, uh, Leon Durham, and Sean Dunstan. You know, I remember Mark Grace. I was a huge Mark Grace fan. Yeah, me too, definitely. Yeah, and, and so, like, you, you, and then and I loved Greg Maddox. I still do. And then they trade him and then all, or, you know, let him go in free agency. And then, it, you know, everything falls apart. And I just remember that disappointment. And then 2003, oh, my goodness, you know, that was just heartbreaking. And then to see him like get to, to the World Series was awesome. But then to win the World Series, it's like, wow, you know. So this convention's had that vibe. Yeah, it has, and and that's what I think. Uh, I think a lot of the players were saying it too on Friday before they really interacted with a lot of the fans before the opening ceremonies. Uh, they were still trying to process everything, you know, the the young kids, the Chris Bryant's and Edison Russells, and you know, the guys that have only been here for a couple of years. The uh, the guys like Anthony Rizzo, you know, Rizzo is the the elder statesman now on, on this Cubs team in terms of being here in Chicago. He was on the hundred loss team. He knows the the journey. I mean, he they call him the heart and soul of the team, and he is, and he's seen everything. You know, he he knows what these fans have been like with hundred losses, and now you know, for example. Uh, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, and Addison Russell, those guys only know good Cubs teams. You know, they've never been a part of a losing Chicago Cubs team. Um, so for them to, to still be so blown away and still be, you know, two full months removed from winning the World Series, still trying to process that, um, that was kind of cool to see because, to be honest, I felt the same way. You know, I, I'm Chicago native, grew up around here, uh, and I was still trying to process everything that happened. And so I one of my favorite parts of this was hearing all of them say when they fully realized that it happened. And a lot of them, um, I think Brian and Rizzo were two in specific, they said when they went to the parade on uh, November 4th, that was when it really set in for them. And uh, I think Len said the same thing. So that that was cool to hear that all these guys are, are were thinking about it the same way that I was. Yeah, they're kids. Yeah. And, and Rizzo's a great example of why Theo Epstein and his group are the best ever. I mean, they, they, they had this guy in Boston, and then, he, you know, and McLeod gets him over in San Diego, and then they, they bring him here. And, and he 
I don't know how they did it, but he was, like you said, the the heart and soul of the team. And then, and then Chris Bryan is, to me, like Kyle Ripken. I mean, <laughs> except maybe better. I mean, you yeah. know, at least through his first couple of years. But they both are tall and lanky. You know, they both kind of play with that passion, their quiet leadership. They both won the Rookie of the Year their first year, the MVP in the World Series their second year. You know, Bryant is, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, high expectations, but he's blown them away. And for a Cubs fan, I don't remember the expectations ever being trumped by what actually happened. You know, it was always we'd get excited about the next player, and then and they never panned out. Well, Theo and, and his group have drafted and developed superstar players the entire Kyle Schwarber story to me is uh, it's unbelievable I wonder how close they were to trading him because every team wanted him at the deadline and the Cubs yeah. knew they were close you know what if they traded him to the Yankees you know what if they traded him somewhere else would this have happened but but those guys the the front office they have such a vision after winning in Boston and knowing the formula that it took to do it there for the Cubs here and I just wonder how successful this organization can be and will be. Yeah, and um, that's actually, you know, you brought up a really interesting point about the the disappointment. I think that so many fans here, I don't know the numbers. I I would, obviously there were multiple thousands of fans uh, that attended Cubs convention. I think this was the most attended Cubs convention, I imagine, just based on the way tickets were going for three, $400 for the weekend. I saw scalpers. Yeah. Outside, <laughs> yeah. really? I see. I've never, never seen, seen that. that Not for a convention or and yeah. yeah. Well, it's, so that's you know that's the point. So every year, even 2015, so last year's 2016 convention, there was a level of disappointment. They thought maybe that team had the magic after the the wild card against the Pirates, beating the Cardinals, all that. There was still a level of disappointment, and. One of the things, one of my favorite parts of the convention was always the, the awkward moments, right? The fans that would come up yeah. and ask the, the Theos and the Ricketts the, the questions like, um, you know, talking about how they've been a fan for so long and they don't like this and they don't like that and they're frustrated by this and everything else. I saw very, very few of those throughout this whole convention. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just, you know, missed a couple of them, but, you know, I sat in for, for on Saturday for four straight hours of sessions, sat in on your session um, on Sunday at, to wrap up the convention and I didn't see any of those. You know, the, the couple, there were, the only negative question in this last session was about people running out the ball, you know, uh, fly balls and everything and there just wasn't that and I'm wondering if maybe all these haters, so to speak, are gone because the Cubs finally won the World Series, and this convention just reflects that. Yeah, I mean, look, what are you going to complain about? Right, yeah. The most exciting, most watched World Series in 25 years, the first World Series for the Cubs since 1945. Hank Greenberg was a star that led the Tigers <laughs> past the, the Cubs back then. Last time the Cubs won the World Series, there was a young guy on the Tigers, right, named Ty Cobb. Yeah. A very young player, I think like a sophomore as far as, you know, his uh, playing experience. You know, they beat them twice in a row, uh, beat him in the rematch. And Ty Cobb never won a World Series, by the way. But the Cubs hadn't won since then, you know. Yeah. So how are you going to complain when it was, you know, 19, uh, was it 1907, right? 1907, 1908. Yeah. Then 1908 that they, they won those two World Series. Um, the organization's in great shape. Uh, Theo Epstein and, and those guys, um, I, I mean, I can't say enough about watching the process. You know, for me, working in the, the minor leagues and, and watching them build this, the process that goes into it, 
you see it, you wonder sometimes, okay, why are they doing this? What, you know, what happened? What's going on here? And then now it's like, for me, I can look and say, okay, that's why they made that trade or that's why they, you know, promoted this guy at that time or, you know, and that's why they liked this player. Who would have thought that Rizzo would have turned into one of the best players in baseball when yeah. you watched him struggle, you know, in San Diego and in his first go around with the Cubs and then I'd take him over any other first baseman in baseball. His defense is so good. He's the heart and soul of the team. He's just got that smile. His whole face smiles, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he's great. And he's great for this group to have a young leader like that. And then everything just kind of builds off of, of him, really, you know, even more than Bryant. So uh, what are you going to complain about? Right, yeah. It's funny to think about, though, that actually we're only a couple years removed from people complaining about the Cubs trading Andrew Kashner for Anthony right. Rizzo, right? Yeah. I mean, and there's like a lot of trades that you were like, okay, well, the Jake Arrieta deal is oh, going to yeah. go down as one of the greatest trades ever. Uh, absolutely. In probably any sport, let yeah. alone baseball, yeah. It's like a great train robbery. And as a longtime Cubs fan, you think about deals like Lou Brock and, you know, and, and, and not like being on this end of it, you know. Yeah. But the Cubs, they, they nailed it. You know, they nailed it with a lot of deals. Travis Wood was a great trade. So they did it with the trades. They did it with player development. These guys are so good at spotting talent and then going after the guy who it is and getting it. Um, I'm not talking about, like, you know, middle of the road, maybe. It's something like Chapman. He's, he fits exactly what they do. He's the hardest-throwing pitcher in baseball. They knew what they were going to get out of him. They had to give up something, but they got one of the best that you can possibly have in the playoffs because you want strikeouts mm -hmm. and, a, and a closer with experience and um, to get to this moment right here. So not a lot to complain about. I, I guess for me, I'm just looking ahead going, you know, what, what's next, you know? Yeah. Well, and I'm curious, too, uh, given the, the 10 years that you've had within the organization, all these young guys, I mean, so many guys from that World Series team you saw up close for so long. But what was your perspective through the World Series? Uh, you know, where'd you take in uh, the, that whole run? And, <laughs> yeah. and what was the, what were the emotions going through you um, just in general with all this? Yeah, I had broad, broadcast obligations on the weekends, so I I couldn't get up here. Shout out to Alabama football. Yeah, Alabama pre and post game, and they played every single weekend. And the Cubs, I wanted to come to Wrigley for a playoff series, but it just seemed like the Cubs were um, at home uh, on the weekends a lot for whatever reason. And it just didn't work out in my schedule. And finally, uh, Alabama had an off week, and lo and behold, that was the weekend of the World Series. So <laughs> uh, I, I got up here, I got in for game three, uh, game four and game five I watched from Wrigleyville. Normally I have a press pass for this stuff, but I, 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 my fault, I didn't know like the process that you do to apply for all this. And I didn't I know mean, if I was going to be there. Most Chicago media didn't since 1945 was the last they dealt with yeah. it. So, yeah. It was like uh, baffling. Oh, I, I needed to do this before the series started, yeah. you know, or before the, the playoffs. But I, I enjoyed watching game three from – the bleachers I mean that's like the first time I've really ever got to just sit out there and not have any other work to do and be just a fan you know so that was great and the Cubs lost but it was still like walking through the the, 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 the gate for the first time at a Cubs World Series was overwhelming it was emotional you know so then game four and game five we watched from uh, at Wrigleyville 
John Barleycorn was the, the best location I could think of <laughs> yeah. for game five. So I watched it on the television and had some friends around me. And then I went out on the streets and took pictures. I smoked a victory cigar. Uh, I reveled in it, you know. And so that was cool. But then game six and game seven, I, again, I, I couldn't go because I had a, a other conflicts. But I, I was trying to get out to go to game seven. I wanted to go to game seven badly. And then when I watched it, I was like, I, I'm glad I didn't go, even though the Cubs won, because I would have been excruciating to, to be there for that. You know, like I, I, if I'm not working, if I'm not on the air doing a game, it's painful, you know, because you're into it. It's a different into it. And I, I saw um, uh, J.D. was talking about uh, Cubs television. And, you know, when the playoffs come, you know, him and Len, uh, they're off, you know. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, I like working them. And, and I get it, you know, it's it's because you're so wrapped up in the job that you have to do you can kind of separate yourself from the actuality of the moment you know and and if you're good like pat hughes with one of the best ever uh, he, you can capture that moment too and, and he was even saying uh he was actually on an earlier uh podcast with uh kelly kroll and he was saying that he blacked out right like so he he made that last call you know the cubs have won the world series and then he blacked out he didn't remember what he said he had practiced this so many times and he just didn't know and he didn't remember until the next day um after they got back to chicago and he was listening to himself in the radio and he had no recollection of saying any of that and that's you know that's exactly what you're describing it's it's that kind of stuff um it was so hard to get caught up in the moment i mean i was up i covered the the game seven and you know, I was up until like uh, almost six in the morning and I was just like, part of it was because I was just so wired yeah. that there was no mm -hmm. way I was going to go to sleep. No. As a broadcaster, a play-by-play -play guy, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, how would I handle this moment if I was Pat? And when I went and listened to the call that he made, oh, he just nailed it, which yeah, I knew he, he would, but, oh, right, yeah. but I was so happy for him because he's been here f through all these years these years I'm hoping that he gets into the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame he wins the Ford Frick Award really soon and this call might help him you know as weird yeah. as that sounds he's going to get in there but you know I hope that it's sometime soon because I, I think he deserves it you know he's like an old school like old time broadcaster the yeah. guys that you, you know you grew up listening to like he's special and he killed the the call it was perfect uh, I get chills when I listen to it yeah. Uh, you know, so just as a, a technical thing for broadcasters, like, you know, did you get it? Oh, yeah, you, you nailed it. What would you expect any less? But that moment, you know, is part of this franchise forever. And so with a national call, you know, on television, you don't want you don't want Jack uh, Joe, uh, Joe Buck on there on a call. Right, yeah. right. You want you want Pat Hughes. Yeah. No, no, no uh, disrespect to, to Joe, but um Know what this is a Cubs you know it's it that's our guy yeah you know he's a national guy that's our guy here locally and, and look Joe would understand his dad was the longtime Cardinals broadcaster Jack Buck one of the greats so um, you know and think about his calls you know some of the famous calls he had yeah absolutely uh, and we're gonna take a quick break and come back and uh, chat more with Mick about um, you know what what he's seen from all these young guys as they've gone through Tennessee
SCSN Sports Talk Live podcast brings you the freshest takes and boldest insights on the hottest topics of the day. David Kaplan leads the conversation with a rotating panel of writers, reporters, and personalities. Don't miss a single episode. Subscribe at csnchicago.com slash podcasts today. Everybody, welcome back to the Cubs Talk podcast. Uh, again, I'm Tony Andrecki here with Mick Gillespie. And Mick, um, let, let's discuss a lot of these guys that you've seen when they were just young kids down in Tennessee in AA. Um, you know, Kyle Schwarber making that miraculous comeback in the World Series. Javi Baez, he, he broke out in the postseason. Um, you know, even guys like Albert Almora had that, that key stolen base, or Chris Bryan, um, you know, given he shot through the, the farm system, but he was still in double A for a while. What were your impressions of all these guys? And was there a part of you that ever that knew that, yeah, these guys are definitely going to be a part of the next World Series winning team for the Cubs? Yeah, I said it last year at the Cubs convention that they I thought they were going to win the World Series. Rob Zastrzny was with the Smokies at the beginning of last year. And, he, and I, I give the team the opening day team dinner speech and I said someone in this room one maybe two of you guys are going to be on the field at the end of the season when the Cubs dogpile and they win the World Series but the question is who yeah and I looked at Z afterwards and I could just tell that he thought it was him because I just had this this premonition that that was going to happen you know that they were going to need someone um and so I knew that it was coming. We were too close, we had too many good players. A couple of individuals that did not surprise me. First off, Javi Baez. I've been in love with Javi Baez as a player since he was with the Smokies. This guy can do so many different things. What's really surprised me about his major league career is that he is so good defensively. I knew he was good but and smooth and all that stuff, but I didn't realize he was going to be like gold glove type of material. Right, yeah. I didn't know that, and I didn't know that it, that was going to be the thing that kept him in the big leagues. I always thought it would be his bat. But I always felt like with him that he was the most clutch performer ever. And then you say, well, who are your two favorites, Mick, you know, and, and the Cubs over the years? I'd say him and, and, and Chris Bryant are the two best. Um, but Chris has become clutch. You know, yeah. I didn't know if he, he he's consistent, you know, but he was clutch in the World Series. Baez hits that home run off of Johnny Cueto against the Giants. That was the moment that the Cubs realized this is their year. Because they lose that game, they probably lose that series. And I thought going into the playoffs that the Giants had a great chance to win if the Cubs did. Oh, they definitely posed, uh, I would say, the, the biggest threat. And not no disre- disrespect, obviously, to the Dodgers or Indians. But the Giants matched up so well with the Cubs, both on paper and with the eye test. Right. And and they've been there. And they have the, the champion swagger. Exactly. And they're part of the Even dynasty. Even your magic. Yeah. I think when the Giants lost, they're going, I, what happened? because they expect to go out there and, and win the World Series. That's what they do. They get into the playoffs, and then, you know, there's a different offensive hero, and then, you know, you got Madison Bumgarner, you got whoever else, Matt Cain, Tim Lincecum, you know, over the years. But, but the, once the Cubs got by them, I thought, okay, you know, they, they're, they're going to roll. But there were a lot of bumps along the way. I wasn't surprised that Javi Baez had one of the – you know, two of the biggest hits in the in the playoffs. But I also knew that he was going to strike out, and, and you know that it wasn't always going to be smooth. But he seems to come up with uh, with hits in, in those big spots, and he's been doing that since I saw him in the minor leagues. So Chris Bryant, 
what else can you say about him? I mean, he's the the MVP. He's the MVP because he is great at everything, right? He's the best player in the National League. He is. He could play a bunch of different positions um, in the in the playoffs when you know it, it, you turn around and there's another big hit from Chris. You know, he's quietly one of the best players to ever put on a Cubs uniform. Already. 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 Yeah. We, I looked back at an interview that I did with you guys um, before Chris Bryant got to the big leagues. It was like a rain delay. I think it was a rain delay. Yeah, it was. It was a rain delay, and Len pulled me on TV, and you know, he's like, tell me about Chris Bryant. And you know, I'm talking about him, and then I say, if he was on the team now, he'd probably be the best player. <laughs> he hadn't even been in the big leagues yet. You know? He hadn't even been in AAA yet, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I wasn't surprised. Um, about Chris, but he's just gotten better and better and better. You know, he changed his swing and everything, but he's been. What else can you say about him other than the Cubs have a franchise player, right? And then he did some great things in the playoffs, but the biggest thing to me is the Kyle Schwarber. The, the, I wanted to say the, the story um, because they need to make a movie out of it. I mean, it's just do, incredible, yeah. right? I'm, I, maybe it's already in the works. Who knows? You know, or not? Maybe you write it. Yeah, if I could, if I could write that well, I would. <laughs> he, we saw him come through the the system, and I always wondered how defensively he would work in the big leagues, but offensively, it's just you know this guy's amazing. Um, but to think that you would only you know play three games, get hurt, and then somehow get back. I told. Uh, uh, one of the, the media guys in Alabama, um, hey, I think they're going to bring Schwarber back. Because I started hearing, like, it started bubbling up, you know, yeah. before it kind of got out, you know, that he was in Arizona, you know, he was going to go to Arizona and that he had been really, like, taking a lot of swings. And this was, like, not a, you know, tweet or anything. It was just like, hey, I heard this. And the guy's like, you're, don't, don't, you know. And I'm like, look, man, I'm not. I'm telling you, this is what I'm hearing. And, but then to see him in the World Series and, and to do the things that he did there with the bat. The other thing that when I think about this year's run and, and these guys is who would have thought that the way that they did the All-Star game would be so important to the Cubs winning the World Series? Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny how that always works out. It, you know, it was something that um, I know back in, like, you know, 2015, uh, just a couple years ago, I, I talked to like, Cubs fans who were thinking the same thing. They had some stock in, in the All-Star game. I, obviously, they felt the same way in July 2016. But, yeah, that's so bizarre that this random rule that is no longer even in effect, right. it, it, it had an impact, but then it actually, I mean, it boosted. That, that in my opinion, and I think, you know, watching it, everything else the Cubs won because they went back to Cleveland they did yeah because they needed Schwarber's bat in the totally lineup. yeah it changed the dynamic the mental makeup of everybody every single guy even the Rizzo and the Bryant and you know what I they haven't all admitted it publicly but I think it did I think it changed everybody to have Schwarber in that lineup I think it affected everybody to have the DH and it also helped obviously to get away from the pressure of Chicago back to Cleveland yeah I always felt like uh, when Schwarber came up through uh, the minor leagues like he was this guy that was like hey you know what I'm just trying to fit in I'm gonna work hard you know I'm I'm like like he was kind of just like figuring it out you know you could see him figuring it out and you knew that he was an exceptional person the way that he treated his teammates the way that he treated the community he comes from good stock you know his father was a police chief um, you know and his and a very close family so he, he he's a, a happy person 
you know, uh, well-raised and all that stuff. And then you – but he looked like a football player to me. You know, he's not very nimble. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But, but when you see him hit, I've, of all the players that I've watched over the years, I've never seen a big guy who's so, like, stiff with the eye that he has and the ability to swing the bat like he does. Um, and it's his eye that separates him from other hitters because, like in the minor leagues, they got to the point where there were certain pitchers that just didn't want to tangle with him. So they did. Well, he'd walk. Not a lot of hitters at that age and that stage of their development are able to have that type of approach. But he, he came to the Cubs with almost a big league approach, and then the Cubs gave him the tools to improve on those things and then he gets to the World Series, and, and this year, you know, all he had to do was bat to, to make a difference. So I'm curious, moving forward, where they're going to get him out on the field. You know, is he, is he going to catch, he, you know, the, the knee thing now? Um, he still had a lot of work to do behind the plate defensively to really be a, an everyday guy. Is he going to play left field? And then, you know, in the American League cities, it's easy. You just can put him in the DH spot. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we're going to take another quick break here and come back with our final segment of, uh, of this podcast with Mick and look forward to uh, what Schwarber may be doing in 2017, but also, you know, what to expect from the Cubs after uh, their encore, possibly, to the first World Series championship in over a century. Sports. It's social. It's viral. It's Luke Stuckmeyer and Layla Rahimi, and it's the Next Generation Sports Show. In the Loop, every night at 6.30, 10, and 10.30 on CSN Chicago. And as soon as the show ends, turn to Facebook Live for the after show. All right, welcome back to the Cubs Talk podcast. And uh, in the break, actually, Mick, you were talking about uh, the Fly the W campaign and how the Cubs, they took the nation by storm. You know, I, I was so trapped in Chicago here, but, you know, you have your southern roots. And uh, and what did you see flying the W everywhere, Cubs fans everywhere? They're such a national and even worldwide brand. Yeah, I got to tell you, like, it was, it was very difficult for me to be in – the South and covering Alabama football when this historic run was going on. I mean, my heart is definitely here with baseball, I mean, but I, look, I got to make money too, you know, <laughs> and I, and I, and look, I'm very lucky to be able to do both, but um, I'm down in, in Tuscaloosa for just an example for game six. And there, you know, there are bars there are going to play college football games. Alabama's playing college football. People are going to go out, they're going to watch college football. So I tell one of the bar owners where we're having our post-game show. I said, "Hey, I said we're we got to watch the the world's we got to watch the playoffs. If the Cubs win, they're they're going to clinch, right?" And he's like, "Well, you know, we got to watch what everyone wants to watch, right?" So that night I go in. I've got to do the Alabama post-game show there. The Cubs are going to be on at the same time, and I say a couple times on the radio, "Hey, if anyone wants to watch the Cubs game." during the post-game show to come out, I could not believe that we took the entire bar over. 
the Cubs were on all the TVs. So you're saying hundreds and hundreds of people. A bunch of yeah, we filled the entire bar up with Cubs fans, and I mean like they put the sound on, they had it on the big screen. It, it was like Chicago. We were calling it Wrigley South. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then and then I was telling you too, uh, uh, you know, in between segments here. Everywhere I went down there, I would run into the W flag. The campaign was amazing. You know, drive through a, a, the city of Birmingham, and, and there's a, a flag hanging off of a balcony. Um, you know, we were uh, at a tailgate, and uh, you know, a guy pulls up. He's got you know a Cubs hat on and a Cubs shirt, and we're like, "Hey, are you a Cubs fan?" Yes. You want an old style? Yes. You know, throw them down an old style. You know, like just kind of that during the run. You know, that experience. And since I'm, you know, partnered with the Cubs, people associate me with the team. So, um, you know, I would get texts and calls and, you know, people excited about it. Are you going to the World Series? Um, And everywhere I went, like, I would see a Cubs hat or a a Cubs shirt. So it was a nationwide phenomenon. I always felt like the Cubs were a national brand. But this year just that you know just that that blue w on a white flag i, I mean like and i'm all over the south you know tennessee and, and alabama and georgia and you know all those places there it was florida so um that that's cool and i guess that when you win a world series not only do you bring back the fans you had but you create more so i'm guessing that the phenomenon is going to grow well, that's interesting too, and I always thought um, I, I realized why the Cubs had to have the the parade and rally two days after winning the World Series. Um, you know that Jed and Theo and other members of the front office were going to the GM meetings. So they couldn't, they would not have been in attendance for uh, Monday if they had done it. But I'm so curious to see what the turnout would have been. So they got five million, right? Like this record-breaking, historic <laughs> yeah. uh, group of people for two days after, roughly like 36 hours after they win the World Series is when they have this rally. Imagine the turnout if all those people from Florida, from Georgia, from wherever else could have flown up. Because I imagine that that five million, that didn't include very many of those people. Because how many people on a whim can just get up, go from Florida, you know, make it up there on Thursday, Friday night, whatever, and get there in enough time. So I I would have loved to have seen if they had a couple you know, a couple days out there, maybe even to have done it on that Saturday or that Sunday. I mean, we might have been talking about 10 million people. Yeah. Places where like Chicago could not have handled it. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, that to me, that, that it's like the fifth largest gathering in yeah. human history is amazing. I do have to throw a shout out to Wheelhouse Pub in Tuscaloosa for letting us take the, the bar over and uh you for know Wrigley they, South, oh yeah. yeah yeah they hung a W flag in there too yeah we well I wanted to go but I had to work you know so it's like I, I watched it on television but the when I this is how I realized how how huge this was I saw uh the front office at winter meetings in DC and Jason McLeod showed me on his cell phone this picture it was a selfie of him, Theo, and Jed, and they're oh, like, the st- on the stage, yeah, right behind, yeah. But you, but like, here they are, and then everyone's behind them, and they, it was just like a sea of humanity, yeah. which is which is amazing to me. So that's when I kind of it sunk in, like you know, five million people is that's a lot of people. So I don't know, like if you would have waited more, could you've got more? Yeah, I think so. There, there were people when I was out there for Game Five, and you know this that had pictures of their grandparents that they're taking with the marquee behind them crying yeah. uh, people calling you know hey grandpa you know we did it we were at the national championship game on on uh, Monday last week Alabama and um, 
uh, Clemson, right? And so a couple of the guys that do the show with me are huge Cubs fans. They, they see Joe Madden at a restaurant in Tampa, and um, uh, this guy's name's Baron Huber. He played at Alabama. His, his dad's Kevin. Says to, to Joe and starts tearing up. He said, thank you for winning this World Series that I could share with my son. You know, the, that, that's what this is about. This what makes the Cubs so different because people didn't think that they were going to win a World Series in their lifetime. You know, long-suffering Cubs fans aren't just in the Windy City. It, and it's because of WGN television. You know, I told you, I, I didn't live in Chicago right. as a kid, but I watched Harry and Steve and fell in love. And I, and I remember when I would go to school with my Cubs jersey and my Cubs hat and my Cubs jacket, which I did find, by the way. <laughs> I gave it to my wife at my old Cubs jacket, the starter jacket, you know, with the big Cubs logo. Yeah. It's blue and kind of shiny. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave it to my wife. She can, she can wear that and my Cubs jersey from when I was a kid. It doesn't fit you anymore? Uh, no, 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 no. I, well, I put it on as a joke, and it was very, very tight. Like, I got it on, but I realized I need to lose some weight. But, um, you know, it's like, this is, for me, it's been, like, years and years and years. And I remember, like, people being like, hey, it's the Cubs fan, you know, like, as a, as a kid and living in uh, Trenton, uh, New Jersey, and then in, uh, you know, Baltimore, Maryland, being a Cubs fan. But there was, there was more than me. I mean, it wasn't like I was the only Cubs fan. Uh, everywhere you went because of television, the Cubs had fans and, um, and diehard fans. So it's just kind of crazy. There's a part of me that's like, wow, this is over. You know, now we've got to win like five of these things. Yeah, and that's actually what I wanted to ask you too. Um, you know, I know you're going to be, obviously, uh, spring training. Um, you're going to be around the team so much in double A. Uh, but what are you expecting, you know, from, from the organization all the way on, you know, through the farm system? Um, you know, even in spring training, what are you expecting here in 2017 as an encore to a season that there's no way anybody could possibly top it, right? Like no Cubs fan could dream up a better scenario than mm-hmm. what played out in 2016. So, you know, as a childhood Cubs fan, as everything else, what are you looking for this year? Well, they'll never top it. No, never, no matter what. But, but you try, you know. They're all great, though. Look, I've been following Alabama football, and uh, they lost this year in a great game. They won one last year, but they've won four of them. Yeah. And they're all fun. I mean, look, you're not going to turn one in, you know, and it's it's not very fun when you lose in the championship game, trust me. But I think that the first one is the one that, for this organization, that broke the curse and that now the Cubs aren't lovable losers anymore. No. You know, I love when Tom Rickett says that, you know, hey, you know, it's over. We're not lovable losers. That's the one thing he wanted to do is change that. And, uh, you know, he fixed that real quick by winning the yeah. World Series, you know, six years in. And, he, you know, here he's, he's done it. And he set up the, uh, the foundation for this, you know, when he took over. He's like, hey, we're going to build within the minor leagues. We're going to restore Wrigley Field, but modernize it. You know, we're going we're gonna to have the best manager. We're going to have the best coaches. We did all those things. I mean, like, we have the best, like, throughout the system, you know. So what I expect moving forward is that you start to prepare like a champion prepares. You know, you want to go out there and be the next giant, you know. Like, hey, we might not win every year, but to beat us, you're going to have to have a damn good effort. And that's what we saw with the Cubs. The Giants didn't give the Cubs anything. The Cubs took it from them. And I think the Giants will be back there because that, they're champs. But you, I think that's what we're going to see with the Cubs. The Cubs aren't going to get as lucky. 
in, in years to come. They, they, and that's what it takes, too, to win. You, they had every starter make all their oh, yeah. starts. The that doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Theo said it before. You need, like, seven or eight different, you know, starters to, to get through a season normally. So they're going to have to deal with adversity. They're going to have to deal with injuries. They did lose Schwarber, but for the most part, the team stayed intact throughout the year. Uh, you know, they, they, they got into the playoffs. What if Cleveland had their full arsenal of starters? Yeah, That's or Michael a, Brantley even in that lineup, too. Right, right. Three-hitter, typically. Yeah, so that makes things different, you know. So, um, And then the Mets were banged up this year. You know, when the Mets have their pitching staff lined up the way that it was when the Cubs lost to them a couple of years ago, they are tough to beat. But they were hurt, and they got, you know, and they got knocked out in the first round. So everything's kind of got to go your way to win it all. But – what makes this organization so good is they're like a, a, a great hockey player. They're just going to keep taking shots. And if you take enough shots, you're going to get one in. You know, you just keep on pushing through as many, uh, you know, shots at the goal as you can get. And eventually you hope that they fall. And we've seen that with the way that the Red Sox were built. And, you know, Theo built it, and then they sustained success after he left. And then, you know, I think the same thing's going to be with the Cubs, you just keep on taking shots, and uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna win more than just one, I would think. So 2017, the year the Cubs become the lovable winners now. Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, like, the, this is a great team. I, I, I wanted to talk about this in my panel today, and I totally forgot. Or, you know, at the Cubs convention, 97 wins, right? Last year, and we got to the the winter, and they're like. We won 97, but that wasn't legit, you know. That was, it wasn't a legit 97, you know. Our analytics tell us that we're more like an 85-win team or something, whatever it was, right? That type of thinking and foresight is how the Cubs built off of a 97-win team and got better and got phenomenally better. To, to them, most organizations are going to be like, woo, we won 97 games, yeah. we're great, you know. And then you see it a lot, you know, like with the Twins. Think about the Twins. Twins two years ago were uh, excellent right last year they were were terrible but when you look back at it like the analytics had to tell them that they were really not that good of a team they just caught a lot of breaks they won some one run games you know whatever you have those seasons sometimes right um here's the cubs win 97 games and then they're talking about all the things that they can do to get better you know, and they go out and they sign John Lackey and they get Jason Hayward. And they yeah, do their that. outfield defense was, and making contact, that was a huge point of contention yeah. from 2015 on. Huh? Oh, man. And then the, the baseball is one, and I've seen this over the years broadcasting games. It's one with pitching and defense. Defense is so important because you can make pitchers better by catching the ball and saving them the outs. So – we don't think that a lot because we want to see, you know, Sammy Sosa, you know, hit a 500-foot home run and, and all that. And then you look back and you're like, man, we had some, we had, we had a bunch of home runs, and the team didn't win anything. You know, it's like, it's it's like the Giants are the same way. You know, the, the, those championship teams, the Red Sox. You know, they're going to catch the ball. They're they're going to they're going to do the the basics every time. They're going to get those down. You know, hey, look, you don't need to make the spectacular play. But like Joe Madden preaches all the time, you know, uh, do, do the basics better, you know, and stuff like that. Hey, that's exactly it, you know. Keep doing those things like catching the ball and throwing it as, as routine, make them perfect. Save your pitcher's pitches 
you look for the timely hitting, and the Cubs have so many big bats. Eventually, someone's going to make a mistake, and they're going to, you know, capitalize on it. And um, I think that formula will continue to work. But I, I'm definitely curious, you know, how does Jake Arrieta bounce back this year? Uh, you know, John Lackey's going to have a new catcher this year, and you know, you saw it in the in the playoffs. I mean, the, you know, he's it definitely struggles on those throws to first uh, and the second base. You know, so. Um, How's that going to react? You know, he, he had the – with Rossi, they, they were just like a unit, you know. So that's going to be different. You know, John Lackey and, you know, is another year older. Uh, is someone coming up from the minor leagues that's going to push for a spot in the rotation? I don't see it right now. Maybe someone comes out of nowhere. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, at the end of the day, the, the Cubs also have the resources to go out and sign another starter if they want one or trade for one later down the road. And I think that's the advantage of having an organization with players that are young and kind of, you know, cemented at certain spots in the big leagues because you can trade a Jorge Soler who's a difference maker and not feel like you're, you know, you're going to change the organization. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, those questions, uh, everything that you mentioned and so many more are We'll see them play out in 2017. And uh, again, be sure to check out uh, Mick during spring training. He and Len will be broadcasting a, a number of the, the games down in Arizona. Um, and thank you, Mick, for your time. Uh, we'll come back later with another Cubs Talk podcast. Hey, let's do it again. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.